Homestyle Green, episode 131. Davey Phillip says he doesn't earn a big income, but he's a rich man. Find out how in this episode of the Homestyle Green podcast. G'day and welcome back to another episode of Homestyle Green. I'm the host of the show, Matthew Cutler-Welsh, and this is the podcast dedicated to inspiring people to make a better place to live. And this week I'm speaking with Davey Phillip all the way around the other side of the world in Ireland, and he is the, I guess, the founder and the developer of a great initiative called Clock Jordan Eco Village. And I'll leave that to him to probably give a better pronunciation and a spelling for that, uh, and some of the other great initiatives that um, he uh, that Davey is doing, and his passion as well for for what he does, and that's partly why he feels like he's a rich man. Um, but if you are looking at doing a eco project or just improving the performance of your home, then definitely check out one of the sponsors of this show, which is Proclimber. And they have everything you need to make your home uh, airtight and also just perform better. You want to make the most of that investment, particularly in the thermal envelope, and that's where ProClimber can help out. So check them out, ProClimber.com or ProClimber.com.au or here in New Zealand, ProClimber.co.nz. And don't uh, forget also, stick around at the end of the show and I'm going to talk a little bit more about how you might be able to work with me to help produce a better home for yourself or perhaps one of your clients. Anyway, I started out by asking Davey why he does what he does. Well, that's a good question. Um, I personally want to be of service with what is current um, at this time. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to waste my time doing something that I hate doing and then living my life at the weekend. So I've, I've had an opportunity to sort of really dive into the things I'm passionate about and love doing and manage to create my livelihood from that. So for the last 20 years, it's been all about sustainability. And, um, and that brings me so much personal nourishment because as we get into the conversation, you'll see that I'm, I'm not only talking the talk, I'm walking the talk. Um, but also, uh, as I said, you know, it's, it's what we need a big focus on. We need a lot more attention onto these sort of issues of sustainability, of resilience, and, and how we cope with what is going to be quite a challenging uh, next few decades with, as, if all predictions uh, are, are true. So... I really want to be of service, Matthew. How have you made sustainability basically sustainable for yourself for 20 years? Uh, well, I, um, as you might tell, I'm not Scottish. I'm actually, I'm not Irish. I'm actually Scottish. Right, I've been living right. there for 20 years. So I was traveling around and met an Irish girl and came back to Ireland um, and was a little lost, actually. I didn't really know what to do. I had a different career before I arrived in Ireland. And I went to study, and I studied anthropology and really got into sustainability from a whole systems perspective. And wow, so you look backwards to go forwards. Yeah, in a sense. And really, since that moment, I've that's what I've just been dedicated to, finding a way. Now, uh, I don't make much of an income, but I have a great life. I feel rich 
uh, maybe just not financially rich. So uh, I, about 16 years ago, I formed a cooperative of other sustainability advocates where we started to design and host events, um, create training programs around um, sustainability, <coughs> and really started to bring a network of Irish sustainability advocates together. We published a book, the Sustainable Ireland Source Book, and we started to hold an annual series of events called Convergence Sustainable Living Festival, where the green building uh, was a really prominent uh, part of that, as was many other um, events. And so we started to spin those out into their own conferences or, or their own trainings. And then we had the opportunity to run a centre right in the centre of Dublin, a sustainability centre. So for eight years, we were um, at the heart of the city in the cultural quarter with an eco shop, a training centre and a huge venue that we curated all sorts of weird and wonderful events, including our annual Green Building Conference. And is that still there, or if, is uh, have you moved premises now? We've um, completely moved to Clock Jordan Eco Village, which right. we're going to touch in a moment. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, yes, the Eco Village. So, just coming back to the network there, that there was obviously a uh, an underlying movement, if you like, or a feeling of of something happening. Uh, but in a more disparate way, and lots of other organisations feeling the same thing. Similar to you, were have others been able to develop careers and li- and build lifestyles with that concept of sustainability at the heart of their businesses? Well, we're part of a network of uh, national NGOs here, and there must be about 36, um, ranging from the usual sort of protecting forests or protecting birds, but a lot of them focused on sustainability. Uh, and where we have a small amount of support from the government. Uh, and then you're seeing now an emergence of a green industry, a green tech industry. And, uh, okay, we've had a, a collapse in our construction uh, sector, but there still is some livelihoods there for um, our eco-architects and our sustainable construction companies. There's renewable energy, which is very big here, um, and more and more small-scale, community-scale players getting involved in that. So I I do think it is uh, an emerging sector where there is, if you're creative or you have a good niche, there is potential for creating livelihood. Yeah, yeah. And I love that comment that you made that you've got a great life and you feel rich and you you have a a seven-day life rather than just a, a... going to work for five days and then um, hurriedly trying to have a life for two days on the weekend. Yeah. Tell me, a, um, yeah. tell us a bit more about a green building, um, and particularly in Ireland. You've mentioned that there's not a lot of building going on at the moment, but um, two two things, I guess, green building in general, but also green building the event. Um, why, why was there a need for that? Well, um, as I said, the, our green building became a staple in our sustainable living festival convergence. So it was a one-day event in the early days, in sort of 2000, 2001. And then we realized that at that time that there was a need to bring the different and disparate sectors together. So there was a flourishing or an emerging green building movement. There was an emerging renewable energy movement. 
There was people looking at agriculture in a more sustainable way. So the first product or um, project that we worked on was to create a directory and source book. So it introduced um, 12 different areas of sustainability, including green building. I had a major article on it. And then every green building architect or construction company we could find into a directory. So that was our start. And we decided, hey, now we've got this database, we should do this event to bring them together. And that's where Convergence came from. So our, we saw a need to actually start promoting at that time where there wasn't too much awareness of the green or sustainability construction uh, sector and need to bring people together. Um, and that's where we started. So the green building um, really became uh, a very innovative and brought together a lot of pioneering uh, advocates of, of this approach at a time where it's very different now because we have new building energy ratings. So every building has to be a green building in this country that goes up. Um, but at that time... Is the, that true? Do, are they oh, that stringent that you believe that every building is now a green building? Yeah, well, it's a high-performance building. It depends on our, our criteria of what green building is. It doesn't necessarily have to be made of ecological materials, but it's going to have to be now airtight and, um, and well-insulated. It, it's not necessarily mean that it's passive standard, but there is a lot of counties, even in Ireland, saying all houses now will be passive standard, which I think maybe that's taken it too far. <laughs> I love I love that though when when local body or local communities move faster than national government and say we're not satisfied with the the leadership from national government we're going to go a step beyond that. Yeah. Well, there's even a couple of examples of uh, net energy positive houses now in Ireland, yeah, well, and we've got quite a thriving passive house uh, association and even a passive house publication. It used to be Construct Ireland magazine that changed its name to to um passive house magazine so really so it was general construction but now it's it's changed its it was generally it was, um, it was uh construct ireland was definitely uh, a pioneer and a driver of a green construction industry and right they they wanted to widen their market so they have more of a european market now and they they have they use the passive although they they talk about other green building um Initiatives. Interesting. So they they another, narrowed their focus to widen their market. Yeah. Another, I think, reason that Ireland may have gone a little further than some countries earlier on, maybe, was we had some very um, uh, very good TV personalities that had their own shows that pushed um, the ecological agenda. So there's a show called About the House mm-hmm. and Eco Eye that are um, produced by an architect. He has his own production company, though. And he still is one of the most recognized faces on the street. If you ever walk around the city with him, it's surprising how many people actually know him. Um, You sound sound like you've uh, had the opportunity to do that. Oh, yeah, I work closely with him on so many projects. um, Awesome. uh, He he really has put Green Building on the map with his his, uh, show on houses and then his eco-eye sort of broadens that agenda into the whole sort of sustainability and resilience now um, agenda. Nice. Coming back to the code and the building standards, for those outside of um, Ireland, what, what do they look like? So you've got a, what's the air tightness requirement now for new builds? 
Um, you might be getting into too technical territory for me, but we have uh, across Europe now, um, so I think every European country has to have now building energy ratings. So right. it's just like an indicator, uh, A, good, and uh, F, terrible. And yeah. now that you know the housing, what the performance of the housing stock is in the country, most houses down at the Ds, Es, and Fs, really, it shows there's an opportunity for a construction sector focused on retrofit never mind building new buildings. Um, so it really has shown the, how poor our standards were before, I think they were introduced in 2009, yep. uh, just when the construction industry was on its knees from the, the, the big economic hit. Yeah, right. So, so there is a huge opportunity. Um, if now people could get capital, that's the other problem. It's hard to get capital um, to do renovations. Um, but we have a lot of work to do uh, in this country, and I'm sure every country across Europe, um, to get that performance level up. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and very promising, though, that despite the fact that there's not a huge movement in the construction market in general, there's lots of momentum, well, maybe not momentum, but there's lots of interest, and um, people are, like yourself, are passionate, but there's also some demand out there for improving both existing and new houses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, how, does, how do you, um, what's your relationship with the Irish Green Building Council? Oh, very good. We, we co-host events a lot and one of my, uh, one of our workers here is a member and engaged in this. So yes, very close to them. I mean, I'm interested as to why you ended up putting on something like um, Better Building, uh, the, and and they it wasn't them. <laughs> well, why was we that? were eight years before Green Building Council. The, the Irish Green Building Council is mm, four or five years old. Right. Um, so uh, these early green building events that we ran um, were the the were the catalyst, I would say, of bringing the green building sector together. And so a lot of the people were very, I mean, we used to, we just closed our Dublin office. We shared an office with the Irish Green Building Council. Right. Uh, so we're very uh, close to them and supportive. Yeah. But we were 10 years before they emerged, really. So. Right, right. But remember, my, I, I, although we have in Cultivate, um, some of our staff focused on green building, my interest is slightly bigger that um, we need to be thinking about the communities our buildings are in and how uh, the buildings that we occupy become, you know, a place where we can actually have a much higher quality of life, not just because we live in a nice house, but because we live in a nice neighborhood. So uh, that's what my own interests are. Yeah, and I want to come on to community resilience. Just before we do, though, I you've got a great article on the website about the nearly zero energy buildings and you mentioned positive zero energy which is is great for early adopters and people kind of leading the charge there tell tell me briefly what's nearly zero energy buildings right um well they do uh, uh every year they do a i think a, a open door event where you want to showcase green building and they want a I'm not involved in myself, but they call it near, nearly, nearly zero energy buildings, I suppose, because there's not that many totally um, zero energy buildings. Uh, and so it just opens up more 
green building. You know, right. it's maybe a, a B rating or a or an A one rating rather than uh, right up to the the A two or passive. You know, so I think it's a it's an opportunity to maybe transition more people into the the green building sector. As I said, there is a couple of um, energy positive houses that's can it's actually producing more energy than it's consuming. Uh, I've seen a, a few more examples of them, those in Germany than in Ireland, but there's uh, at least one that I, I know of from an architect, it's his own house, which is um, fascinating and probably the way that we're going to have to go, that our, ener- that our houses could um, you know, be generating energy as well as consuming. Right. So that that's basically a, uh, the, the, new, the open doors is basically a, people opening up and, and showing and, and doing house tours to show what can be done. Yeah, and it's across the country, so it's, it's, quite, it's quite a good scale. It's a big scale. Um, we do about eight uh, in the eco-village, um, but they, they take place all, all across the country. Great, which again is showing that there is a, a big demand out there. All right, let's talk about your eco-village. And um, before we describe that, can you tell us what your definition of community resilience is? Well, I think more and more now we're realizing that um, we're facing some big challenges. Already we're in the worst economic downturn we've ever been in. We're facing weather impacts that we have never experienced before. You know, the worst floods since records began, worst freezes since records began. And simply a community's resilience is its ability to cope with these challenges. So like we understand our personal resilience as our bounce back ability, if we're if we are, uh, have any trauma or ill health, the quicker that we can bounce back as a resilience, we extrapolate that into communities. And so the ability of a community to cope with challenge or um, traumas of economic or environmental or even a social nature. Uh, there's a, there's a, a sort of big trend in this over the last five or six years with the Transition Towns movement, which is in New Zealand and, yeah. and, and everywhere. Um, where that's his focus. His focus isn't just to be sustainable, but is to start to build the relationships in our communities that give us that ability to do more together, to um, to to face uh, hardship together. And in a positive way, it's quite transformational. It's not just about emergency preparedness. It's actually about how our places become more livable, how our neighborhoods right. become vibrant. It's transformational rather than than just preparing for uh, an emergency. So with the transition towns, it's looking about how can we create more livelihoods in this place? Uh, you know, how can we make this place safer? How can we make our communities and neighborhoods flourish? So that's really at the heart of the, the emerging community resilience movement. I mean, I've, you know, it wasn't, you would not heard the term five or six years ago, and now I'd say most advocates of sustainability use that frame as a way into sustainability rather than talking about all the things we have to change. Uh, it's talking about the things that we have to uh, cope with, how the, the, the capacity we have to cope with change. You know, So it's a, I find it an easier way to talk about a lot of the issues around sustainability in traditional and rural environments where the, there might not be, you know, I, I, people, people in rural areas and traditional areas don't like change at all, 
Uh, and yet when we talked about sustainability, and I used to go around the country talking about sustainability, it went over most people's heads. But yes. after the economic shock and the worst floods and freeze we've ever had in Ireland, and you go around talking about, well, how can this community cope with that? How can we build a resilience? It's the same approach and steps we need to take to build resilience as it is to build sustainability, but a completely different way of talking about it. So I, I find it a useful frame to talk about all these issues, green building, renewable energy, uh, green livelihoods, local jobs, um, renewable uh, and um, sustainable uh, agriculture. So it's, it's just a different way in to talk about the same, the same things. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you believe that community resilience is something that can be retrofitted. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, our eco-village isn't really an eco-village. Our eco-village is a neighborhood of a very old and established town. Uh, it's a neighborhood. But um, when we started out 15 years ago, um, thinking about the eco-village, we were going to do what most um, eco-village projects do, buy a farm or buy a few fields in the country and create a new mini-village. Yep. And we realized early on, actually, this isn't the best approach. This is not what's needed. And this doesn't accelerate sustainability, which is one of our uh, overarching uh, objectives. We wanted to normalize sustainability, not keep it fringe and marginal. So we decided, we changed tact and we decided, let's find a parcel of land that comes right into an existing settlement and really show rural regeneration as well as sustainable development and try to you know, make attractive uh, green building and eco-design and sustainability and not keep it sort of a secret in the, on the fringes. You know, most eco-villages quite honestly are like 20 houses in a field, you know, a bunch of hippies <laughs> in a field, um, maybe doing some important things, but we're definitely not playing a part in normalizing or, or helping people see that they could adapt it in their own communities, in their own lives. So that's why we changed direction a little. It's really neighborhood development. So where is it and uh, what does it look like, your eco-village? Well, we're um, intentionally right in the middle of the country. Um, we're about an hour and a half from Dublin um, going west towards Limerick. And uh, it's a very rural area called Tipperary. Um, it's a long way to Tipperary, especially yeah. for you, <laughs> um, And But we intentionally want to be somewhere central. So we're on a main train line. We're right in the middle of the country. We didn't want to be a way down in West Cork where it would be lovely and sort of be a, a nice environment for our sort of project. But if we want it to be a destination for learning and for people to come and take some uh, ideas and methodologies back to their own community, it needed to be accessible. So we're right in the middle of the country. What does it look like? Well, we're, we're now, we started building uh, early 2009 and we now have 55 high performance homes up and occupied. So we've got about 120 residents in our neighborhood now. But we're not separate. We're very much part of a, a small town of about 750 people. So our, the kids in our community go to the normal school. Um, we drink in the, the pubs in the town. Um, our farm, which is on the eco-village, is open to anyone in the area. Um, so we have members of the farm and some other projects. So there's some good br bridge building between the old and the new. And we, we have as well, it'll be interesting to you, in our little neighborhood of 55 houses, we have 6.5% of all of Ireland's A-rated houses in the building energy scheme. 6.5% in, was it 50? Of all, 
of all of Ireland's houses, of all of Ireland's A-rated houses. Now, there's a reason for that. We started building in uh, the start of 2009. The uh, economic shock hit in 2008 and, and construction slowed down in this country to almost zero. So for, for three and a half years, even with only really what is a handful of houses going up, we were one of the busiest building sites in Ireland. Right. Yeah, so yeah. we've got, we've got a, a great range of, um, of eco-houses um, with different materials. We have about five hemp-constructed houses. Right. We have cob houses. Most are timber frame, um, most standalone, but we have rows of terraces and we have an apartment block. Um, so there's, and everyone looks different. So you know when you normally go into a normal um, suburban subdivision, they are one, one or two um, styles replicated. Yeah. Every single house looks completely different and none of them have walls around them. We're, we're, we're planting what we call our edible landscape, which will give us privacy between the houses, but also create greenways for wildlife. And also, um, because we're planting apple trees and nut trees and herbs, it's an edible landscape. It will have a yield as well. So that sort of element is really important to us. Yeah, I think that's a great idea to have a mix of construction types there rather than just having a homogenous um, style, because otherwise you're just going to end up like a like a suburb, albeit a, a slightly different different one. And, and clearly, you've had people move there specifically to to live in the eco village. Uh, they weren't all locals that that moved in. No, no, there, there was there was absolutely probably no locals. We have a couple of local members for other projects now, but they've got traditionally in, in rural Ireland. You probably got a bit of land, it's not so difficult. Um, most of our members came from the cities, Dublin, Limerick, Cork. Um, and in Ireland, um, being a very traditional, quite rural-based country, you know, if you move to the country from the city and you don't have roots there, you're going to be treated as a blow-in for decades, generations potentially. So there was something that was easier for people to relocate to uh, the country from the city um, the way that we were doing it, uh, en masse. Now, we spent a long time in consultation with the local community. We spent a year before we put our planning in, um, having public meetings, making sure there was no concerns. We had no objections to our planning, um, you know, which was testament to that good process. Uh, and really, uh, um, most of our members... Um, yeah, are coming from sort of urban centres and for very different reasons. You know, people come here, um, two big demographics are young families. When they see how wild the young, the, the kids can be here, you know, it reminds them of their childhood and what wild it was like. To, wild in a good way. Wild. Our kids are feral. Um, <laughs> they're, they're free, you know. They're, they get to run around and we've got our own farm, our own little woodlands and greenways and traffic cammed it's a very sort of um car in the background sort of neighborhood so that's a big demographic young families that want that safe and healthy environment for their kids development the other big demographic is people that people that are in retirement or nearing retirement they want a sense of community they want a sense of purpose they want to be stimulated in their senior years not to sort of live in isolation and hope their family are going to visit a few times a week you know, so that's another big demographic. And then, of course, we've got people like myself who want to make a difference in the world or people with businesses. We've got a lot. We've got over 10 businesses have located to the eco-village. 
Um, so right. there's eco architects here. There's we have a um, where I'm talking from is a green enterprise center. It's a large, very large industrial building with um, industrial bays and a co-working space. So there's there's an environment to hot desk. So you don't have to be as an individual sole trader, as an eco entrepreneur. You don't have to be working alone. So it's got that sort of um, attraction as well. That if you've got a business. And, and one of the main businesses here is education. So there must be about 12 learning providers um, wow. from, for all sorts of education, you know, from, from renewable energy and green building, but all the way through to community and um, real bread. There's a, a bakery on site that has um, wood-fired and sourdough breads, and he's, he's made a bread school, so every two weeks he has a big course. So there's a destination for learning which creates livelihoods, and then there's other people with businesses that um, it suits them to be located and have an address in the in the eco village. You've created the eco village. You've intentionally um, put it near a centre, but you, you have built it from the ground up. Is there a, is it possible to retrofit an eco village and and all those types of things, the businesses, the culture, the people, the relationships? Can you do that with an existing group of houses? I think this is the most important thing, Matthew. What we're doing, um, okay, it was a new build, but it's in an old town. Um, but what we are showing in our courses is that you could set up, uh, you, first of all, you, we have a district heating system. In a cluster of houses, you could put in probably a, a, a small district heating system, a boiler that goes to six houses rather than having your individual fuel source, your individual uh, heating unit. So that's one yeah. of the big things that we demonstrate here is um, a, a quite a large um, uh, renewable energy district heating system. So none of the houses, and we've got 130 on the plans, just because 55 are up now, we've still got a long way to go, but none of the houses have their own heating system. They're connected through um, highly insulated pipes to our energy centre, which has two wood chip boilers and one of the largest array of solar thermal panels in Ireland. Any wow. community could at a certain scale i think district heating at a, a large scale like that is hard to retrofit because you get to dig up streets and everything but if so you they were do in that a, all the time anyway exactly <laughs> or sometimes now in modern streets you've got ducting that you could put piping in right or if you're in a, 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 a suburb you know you, you potentially it's just back gardens coming together that if we could think about collaborating a bit more. And this is one of the, the, the difficulties. We've lost the competencies to actually work together, to collaborate, to know our neighbours. You know, it's hyper-individualism yeah. in our sort of age of consumption. And so it's difficult, I think, sometimes to come together. But if we could, there'd be so many cost savings, there'd be so much uh, ecological benefits, as well as the social benefits of yeah. living in a more um, convivial community. And so we, 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 we see that um, most of our courses are targeting uh, existing communities and community activists to come and see that, you know, our community-supported agriculture project, our farm, even a city neighbourhood could have a connection and relationship to a farm and have stronger links between the producers and the consumers. You know, these are, these are no-brainers, really. Uh, so from renewable energy, from retrofitting our homes to make them higher performance, for food security and putting in community gardens or allotments or even a community farm, all of these things are possible in any uh, uh, neighborhood, mm. whether it's in the city or a town or in a village. 
And I think transition towns, this is why we sometimes, although we call ourselves an eco-village, we're more of a transition initiative where um, it's about existing communities becoming more resilient and sustainable. Yeah. It's not, a, I don't think there's much, even in this country right now, apart from a little um, sort of the growing demand in Dublin, we've probably got enough housing stock, you know. So it's about retrofitting, it's about um, putting renewable energy systems in, it, rather than just new builds, and we won't see uh, large estates. We had a big problem in the collapse in the in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, with what were called ghost estates. So there were so many um, badly built estates that it didn't get finished before the downturn, and yep. they just lay there. Um, you still can pass um, these estates when you drive across Ireland, it's, um, and they call them ghost estates. So yeah, that yeah. was a big problem. Um, very poor performance. Some of them never got finished, and then they were just left there. Yeah. And um, the, the 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 developer gone gone bust just left there, um, like ghosts. So you have loads of resources to uh, avoid that sort of thing from happening <laughs> anywhere. Because I, I imagine a lot of your learning, a lot of your knowledge and experience is is transferable i mean you've got some similar issues to very uh a, a large number of other places around the globe so yeah. um i would encourage people to go and check it out where where can people find you well the the educational charity that's developing the eco village is sustainable projects and we have a uh, a website called thevillage.ie mm -hmm. thevillage.ie that tells you all about the eco village Cultivate. Um, Just before um, we uh, move to the, how do you yep. pronounce your eco village? Clock Jordan. Clock so Jordan. So it's in Irish Stone of Jordan. It's a great story. Supposedly, someone came back from the Crusades and with a stone from the River Jordan and put it into the the foundations of the castle here, which gave the name to the 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 area. Clock Jordan. Stone and, of Jordan. And clock is C L O U G H. C L O G H. Yeah. Clock. Yep. Sorry, so um, that's uh, thevillage.ie, which yeah, is a, a very easy, user-friendly, beautiful uh, images on there. So definitely go and check that out. And then my own um, cooperative that we work through is called Cultivate, uh, yep. Living and Learning, and that's simply cultivate.ie. And then I would, I, I would um, encourage people to check out Transition Towns and every... Uh, I think most countries now have a transition hub trying to coordinate some of these activities and how we make our neighborhoods and communities everywhere more resilient and sustainable. And nice. you can find that out just transition network. I haven't got the exact URL, but you can just Google that. Yep, I'll put a link up to that. Hey, well, David, thank you very much for your time and for all your work in the last 20 years as well, really. And, and I'm, it's it's very pleasing that it's it's coming to... Uh, fruition now that you're in demand and people are taking interest in, in the types of things that you're doing and looking towards living breathing examples of resilience as a as a pathway to sustainability or as an alternative to sustainability no, so, no, definitely as a pathway to sustainability yeah uh, and i think the main thing is that we're definitely still learning we're making many mistakes and it's great to see even initiatives like yours and so much that are now starting to promote this sort of, um, I was going to say alternative, but it's not the alternative yeah. anymore. Coming the mainstream. Yeah. You know, and that's fantastic. So um, fair play to yourself. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks very much for your time, David. Really appreciate it. Great, Matthew. All the best.
Davy Phillip there from Clock Jordan Eco Village and a few other initiatives in Ireland. I hope you enjoyed that interview. I will put up some of those links in the show notes so that you can find out more and check out some of the images for his initiatives as well. As I mentioned at the top of the show, I am really keen to help you with your project. And if you would like something just to go over your concept plans or your design, maybe you're getting towards kind of building consent stage, then you might want just someone to cast their eye over, give an independent view of the design. Or you might have some some specific questions that you want answered, like What's the best type of heating for your situation? Or have I put in enough ceiling insulation? Should I up-spec my windows? Or what's the what's, where's the best place to spend my limited budget on getting a better home? These are all things that I love to help people with. So if you are, you might be already working with an architect, that's fine. And it's a good idea just to get an independent uh, review of your plans. And that's where I can help out. So if you'd like to find out more about that, just get in touch, matthew at homestylegreen.com. There are contact details. You can hit the contact tab on the webpage, or you can also find me through Twitter, Facebook, uh, even LinkedIn, Google+, a few other places as well. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. Now uh, go make a better place to live. Mm-hmm.